The reading can be found on page 1219 of the Church Bible. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is the word of the Lord. If you're comfortable to do so, please do stand for our gospel reading, which Barbara will bring us today. Gospel reading is taken from Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 to 15, and can be found on page 1002 of the Church Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise so loving God, open our hearts to uh, this uh, revelation of you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please do be seated. So we've entered into Lent fully and wholeheartedly, I hope, uh, this week. Uh, I don't know, has anyone, is anyone particularly marking Lent this week? Are you doing anything, taking anything up, giving anything up? Anyone? Can shout out. Yes? Go on then, Pam. Soaps. The sacrifice. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyone else got anything that you've taken up or given up? I, I forgot to say last week, there is a, um, the Church of England, uh, you can either go on their website or if you are even just have a, a fairly basic mobile phone, you can text Lent to 88802 and every day they will text you 
um, a little reflection. So I do commend that to you. It's quite nice. It's just a very short reflection and it can kind of help you uh, to do your journey of Lent. Um, I meant to say that earlier on in the week. Um, Well, so uh, my eldest and I have decided to go vegan this year for Lent. Um, Over the last five years, I think, we've gone meat-free for Lent. And this year she said, Mum, I think we should go vegan this year. I always knew she was more hardcore than I was. Uh, And it took me a little while. I was like, I will think about it. (laughs) I will think about it. But in the end, I thought, okay, go on, let's uh, let's go for it. A little bit unsure what my diet of the next few weeks was going to look like because the last few Lents have been filled with eggs and cheese (laughs) instead of meat. But I also wanted to make sure... Um, that what we were doing um, as a discipline uh, wasn't just something about being fashionable, because I don't know if you've noticed, but being vegan has become a little bit cool, um, a little bit of a fashion. And I wanted to make sure that we were being really intentional, uh, that what we were doing and what being meat-free had sort of sprung from was um, was a spiritual discipline, was something about, on the one hand, um, trying to think about our world, God's creation, you know, having less meat and less dairy in our diet reduces the carbon footprint uh, for our world, and probably we do eat uh, in the West too much meat. So that was one side of it, thinking about God's creation. Um, But also, I wanted it to be a sort of intentional um, act of solidarity. Now, this is a tiny, uh, you know, so I don't want to make it a tiny, tiny act of solidarity with those who simply don't have the luxury of having meat every day, having it on offer, or who are those who go to bed hungry. Um, And understanding in that tiny, tiny little act of solidarity that I'm grateful that I don't go to bed hungry, ever. So hopefully it won't be an empty act, um, but it will inspire me to think about those things in a more kind of focused way. And hopefully it will help me to work towards, um, in my life beyond Lent, a world that is more sustainable um, and is honoring of God's creation, which God loves and thinks is good, Um, but also perhaps working more towards a just world um, where people don't go to bed hungry because we actually do have enough for everyone. And so honoring those made in the image of God because that is everyone. So that's a little snippet of what Lent is going to look like for me. And in our text today, we have Jesus showing us uh, that he is in solidarity with us. He identifies with us in all manner of different ways. So hopefully we already know, um, because we've just come out of the Christmas season, And we know that Jesus identifies with us 
in a very real way with our humanity. You know, the ultimate act of solidarity from God. You know, no tiny acts for Jesus. A full throttle, you know, both feet first immersion in identifying with us in our bodiliness, in our complexity of human life. But here is a seal on that identifying with us in our bodies, um, in the act of baptism. Now, baptism has many facets, but one of those is the reality that we need God and that we need to be intentionally responding to God. That's why confirmation in the Church of England is actually part of the whole baptism um, ritual. Because babies can't do that part for themselves. It's done on their behalf by their parents and godparents if they're baptized as babies. But what we say is when they get to be old enough, then confirmation is their part in their baptism, in returning and responding to God. So part of baptism uh, is the orientating of our selves and our wills to God. Being in this kind of attitude as a uh, as a lifestyle, an attitude of spirit. Um, this is the only way in which our lives are truly satisfying. Because this attitude of spirit being orientated towards God, kind of facing towards God, is the thing that human beings are made for. It's our purpose. At the bottom of all we do must be this sort of fundamental act of choosing to face towards God rather than away from God. And in being baptized, Jesus is fully identifying with us in this relationship towards the Father. And in doing that, he receives that affirmation of the Father, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And this is an affirmation that should ring in our ears um, every time we confirm our own baptisms, like we did at Candlemas if you were here, or we will do at Easter time. You are my child, you are beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So what, you might say? What does it really matter that Jesus identifies with us as humans? You know, I often say that for me this is really important because there is a sort of sense of actually there's no other um, God who says that they come and, and fully understand what it is to be human. And for me, that's really important. Um, but for others of you, that might not be such a big thing in your own, in your own faith. But there are other ways in which this is important. 
Um, In baptism, Jesus is offering us a way, a literal way, like a pathway, an example of what this life with God looks like. Because it's kind of difficult for us to imagine that for ourselves. So Jesus stands before us, has gone before us, but also stands with us um, in this life of discipleship. He has made the way, um, he is the way, and he accompanies us on it. Because actually this life with God, there's something in it which is, you know, the way is made by walking it. You know, we can look at scripture, we can read the stories, um, but actually it's in the doing of it that it becomes real. Um, and, you know, our lives are, are, are so complex um, and can feel often quite different from the lives that are there in the stories of the Bible. So it is in that real and active relationship with Jesus that we can know this is the way. But there are other acts of solidarity that Jesus does in being human. He identifies with our suffering. After Jesus is baptized, um, Mark's gospel, which is the one that I, I really, I like this um, way of saying it. It's my particular favorite. He has... Um, Jesus immediately being driven, driven out into the desert by the Spirit. And here in the desert, which is often a metaphor, isn't it? We use that for our own suffering. We feel in the desert. We feel deserted. Here, Jesus experiences suffering, both physical, but also emotional and psychological and spiritual. The temptations that he experiences are those which go to his very core. They target uh, his identity, strike at his heart. They have the potential for leading him in the way of death rather than towards the way of the cross. The way of the cross, of course, uh, is towards death. But the way is the way of the cross. Our suffering, uh, because we all experience suffering, moments in our lives where we question our identity, what the point of us is, question our belovedness, our value, Our suffering, which I would say is not a good in and of itself, but has the potential for strengthening ourselves and our wills towards God and towards the path that God has for us, always for our good, but not always easy. So Jesus walks before us and with us in our suffering. And his 
example gives us hope in the midst of darkness. And an extension of this is that Jesus identifies with us in our mortality. The journey into the desert is uh, the very significant marker of the journey that Jesus is about to do towards the cross. He's baptized, he experiences the desert, and then from this he goes to live his fully orientated towards God life. And this means something inevitable. If you are living a fully orientated towards God's life, it means suffering. Sorry, I know. For Jesus, that was particularly uh, going to lead towards the cross. Because he challenges the status quo. All that isn't faced towards the God life. He challenges the Roman oppressors, the political structures of the day, which are unjust and ungodly. Because they keep the poor, poor and oppressed. The inevitable end of that was always going to be death at the hand of the oppressor. One of the characteristics of Lent is the invitation, and it is an invitation, to face our own mortality. In a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you would like, to receive a cross of ash And in that I will say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. It's not a comfortable thing to do, um, and especially in our culture, which is particularly bad at talking about death, and sees even talking about it as something to be denied or avoided, as if somehow that will stop it happening. Um, Stop us having to experience our own dying. But it's also in being invited to face this. It's a liberation, or it can be. We can see it as a liberation. Because actually, in the corner of all our minds, we know that death is something that we will all experience. And so... In Lent and in this facing our mortality, we, we face it. We are dust, and to dust we will return. And we don't have to pretend that we are immortal or we are somehow able to be the source of our own being, our own life. We don't have to pretend that we are anything other than animated dust. And so, therefore, the truth must be, if that is the truth... That we only are, we only exist because God loves us that much. Nothing else makes sense. If we cannot be the source of our own selves, if we are dust, unto dust we will return. 
then God chooses us, chooses to breathe life into mortal bones. And so perhaps always the logical end of the reality of our mortality, the reality of our dustliness, has always been resurrection. The natural step after death is always that God will choose us. And Jesus chooses to experience this journey. Because actually, it's only in Jesus experiencing this journey that there is hope for us that we'll make it through that journey. So Jesus goes ahead of us to make the way and is with us in it. And uh, finally, for today, because there's lots in this in which Jesus is in an act of solidarity with us. But finally, he identifies with our frailty and our neediness. It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? We're all needy, and we don't like to be needy, necessarily. We like to be self-sufficient. We like to be the ones helping Not necessarily the ones in need of help. But we are. And Jesus knows this. And Jesus experiences his own frailty and needs. You think of him in the story. You know, he needs water from a woman of ill repute. And he needs supper from a man who is a collaborator with the enemy. And he needs his disciples to stay awake, they don't. His humanity is not a pretense. He needs the things we need. He is vulnerable, just as we are vulnerable. And perhaps vulnerability is something also to do with being like God. We see vulnerability perhaps as a weakness and therefore you know, something that will go when we become superhuman somehow. Um, But actually, perhaps becoming more like God is becoming more vulnerable and not less. And so Jesus brings good news. Your deepest needs are going to be satisfied. Not all the things you think you need, but the real soul needs of every human person. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And the good news is this. God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And in everything you experience, your birth, life, death, and your resurrection, and judgment... You will be able to stand because, and only because, Jesus is before you and is with you. Repent means to turn away, literally, from the things which are destructive. The stuff which isn't the God life. The stuff which leads you in the way of death 
rather than in the way of the cross, the way of Jesus. Repent means to choose to follow Christ so that you will know the solidarity of Jesus in life and in death. Jesus identifies with you. This is comfort and peace in this life. But what it really means is that because he identifies with us fully, so we must and can identify with him fully. It is in Christ that we are saved. It's only in knowing Christ's and him in his sufferings that we can share with him in his resurrection life. Uh, A resurrection life which can begin for us all now. So, repent and believe the good news. Amen.